Section 13 of The Cloister and the Hearth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Zoe Brooks. The Cloister and the Hearth by Charles Reed. Chapter 13. Gerard and Margaret went gaily to Savenbergen in the first flush of recovered liberty and successful adventure. But these soon yielded to sadder thoughts. Gerard was an escaped prisoner and liable to be retaken and perhaps punished, and therefore he and Margaret would have to part for a time. Moreover, he had conceived a hatred to his native place. Margaret wished him to leave the country for a while, but at the thought of his going to Italy her heart fainted. Gerard, on the contrary, was reconciled to leaving Margaret only by his desire to visit Italy, and his strong conviction that there he should earn money and reputation, and remove every obstacle to their marriage. He had already told her all that the Demoiselle van Eyck had said to him. He repeated it, and reminded Margaret that the gold pieces were only given him to go to Italy with. The journey was clearly for Gerard's interest. He was a craftsman and an artist, lost in this boorish place. In Italy they would know how to value him. On this ground, above all, the unselfish girl gave her consent. But many tender tears came with it, and at that Gerard, young and loving as herself, cried bitterly with her, and often they asked one another what they had done, that so many different persons should be their enemies and combine, as it seemed, to part them. They sat hand in hand till midnight, now deploring their hard fate, now drawing bright and hopeful pictures of the future, in the midst of which Margaret's tears would suddenly flow, and then poor Gerard's eloquence would die away in a sigh. The morning found them resigned to part, but neither had the courage to say when, and much I doubt whether the hour of parting ever would have struck. But about three in the afternoon, Giles, who had made a circuit of many miles to avoid suspicion, rode up to the door. They both ran out to him, eager with curiosity. "'Brother Gerard,' cried he, in his tremendous tones, "'Kate bids you run for your life. They charge you with theft. You have given them a handle. Think not to explain. Hope not for justice in Tergu. The parchments you took, they are but a blind. She has seen your death in the men's eyes. A price is on your head. Fly, for Margaret's sake and all who love you. Loiter not life away, but fly.' It was a thunderclap, and left two white faces looking at one another, and at the terrible messenger. Then Giles, who had hitherto but uttered by rote what Catherine bade him, put in a word of his own. "'All those constables were at our health after you, and so was Dirk Brower. Kate is wise, Gerard. Best give ear to her reed, and fly.' "'Oh, yes, Gerard,' cried Margaret wildly. "'Fly on the instant!' "'Ah, oh, those parchments! My mind misgave me. Why did I let you take them?' "'Margaret, they are but a blind. Giles says so. No matter, the old caitiff shall not see them again. I will not go till I have hidden his treasure where he shall never find it.' Gerard then, after thanking Giles warmly, bade him farewell, and told him to go back and tell Kate he was gone. "'For I shall be gone ere you reach home,' said he. He then shouted for Martin and told him what had happened, and begged him to go a little way towards Tagu and watch the road. "'Aye,' said Martin, "'and if I see Dark Brower or any of his men, 
I'll shoot an arrow into the oak tree that's in our garden, and on that you must run into the forest hard by and meet me at the weird hunter's spring, and then I will guide you through the wood. Surprise, thus provided against, Gerard breathed again. He went with Margaret, and while she watched the oak tree tremblingly, fearing every moment to see an arrow strike among the branches, Gerard dug a deep hole to bury the parchments in. He threw them in, one by one. They were nearly all charters and records of the Burg, but one appeared to be a private deed between Floris Brandt, father of Peter, and Gisbrecht. "'Why, this is as much yours as his,' said Gerard. "'I will read this.' "'Oh, not now, Gerard, not now!' cried Margaret. "'Every moment you lose fills me with fear, and see, large drops of rain are beginning to fall, and the clouds lower.' Gerard yielded to this remonstrance, but he put the deed into his bosom, and threw the earth in over the others and stamped it down. While thus employed there came a flash of lightning, followed by a peal of distant thunder, and the rain came down heavily. Margaret and Gerard ran into the house, whither they were speedily followed by Martin. "'The road is clear,' said he, "'and a heavy storm coming on.' His words proved true. The thunder came nearer and nearer till it crashed overhead. The flashes followed one another close, like the strokes of a whip, and the rain fell in torrents. Margaret hid her face not to see the lightning. On this, Gerard put up the rough shutter and lighted a candle. The lovers consulted together, and Gerard blessed the storm that gave him a few more hours with Margaret. The sun set unperceived, and still the thunder pealed, and the lightning flashed, and the rain poured. Supper was set, but Gerard and Margaret could not eat. The thought that this was the last time they should sup together choked them. The storm lulled a little. Peter retired to rest. But Gerard was to go at peep of day, and neither he nor Margaret could afford to lose an hour in sleep. Martin sat a while, too, for he was fitting a new string to his bow, a matter in which he was very nice. The lovers murmured their sorrows and their love beside him. Suddenly the old man held up his hand to them to be silent. They were quiet and listened, and heard nothing but the next moment a footstep crackled faintly upon the autumn leaves that lay strewn in the garden at the back door of the house. To those who had nothing to fear such a step would have said nothing, but to those who had enemies it was terrible, for it was a foot trying to be noiseless. Martin fitted an arrow to his string and hastily blew out the candle. At this moment, to their horror, they heard more than one footstep approach the other door of the cottage, not quite so noiselessly as the other, but very stealthily, and then a dead pause. Their blood froze in their veins. "'Oh, Kate, oh, Kate, you said fly on the instant!' And Margaret moaned and wrung her hands in anguish and terror and wild remorse for having kept Gerard. "'Hush, girl,' said Martin, in a stern whisper. A heavy knock fell on the door and on the hearts within. End of section 13